I'm Andrew Smith, the CEO of the Association of Dental Support Organizations, and this is Thank You for Flossing. If you're looking for bites of wisdom on the future of the dental industry, you're in the right place. Stick around. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to the fourth episode of Thank You for Flossing and our very first episode of 2024. Uh, I'm really excited to see where the year takes us, and thank you for flossing. We have got many um, great guests in line for you coming up, uh, and I'm glad that you all are here to be part of the ride in 2024. Uh, it'll We've got some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. Uh, today is an exciting day. I've got uh, on as a guest one of ADSO's own, uh, Gray McGinnis, our Vice President of Government Relations at ADSO. Uh, Gray, as the VP of Government Relations, works hand in glove with myself and many of our team members, and most importantly, with all of our member companies and key stakeholders, and is really focused on advancing ADSO's policy objectives uh, on how we can move oral health care forward. Some of the issues we're going to talk about today include medical loss ratio, licensure portability, uh, dental board appointments, a uh, whole host of other things. Uh, we won't hold it against Gray that he's a Denver Broncos fan, but, um, you know, with that, Gray, as always, welcome to the show. Well, uh, boss, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I'm sad it took, what, how many, three, four episodes? Four episodes, you're the fourth. So, you know, we were we were, we were were leading you up for um, this one <laughs> because, you know, we're now in kind of the meaty season of legislative uh, craziness. So that's why we, we were saving you for the the right opportunity. Well, as you know, um, most uh, state legislators are, are just getting kicked off. Um, and so this is uh, this is good timing. Um, happy to be on. And I also have to say that I, I do love the name of this podcast, uh, which, of course, is very related to, to to my field of advocacy and lobbying. Absolutely. So I think we'll we'll go ahead and just dive into kind of everything you're you're working on. But first, you know, I think what what I always like to start with is having our listeners know a little about our guests. So maybe if you could give just a very quick you know overview of you know your past experience and you know what what led you to ADSL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I uh, after you know school, et cetera, I, I wound up in, in a large law firm um, in Denver, Colorado, and was not really uh, enjoying it. Um, I felt like I was missing something. And while I was uh, young and only impoverishing myself, I, I went uh, to a political position uh, running a the Democratic Senate Campaign Fund um, in Colorado, which organized all the state Senate races. Um, I did that. I did a variety of different uh, political positions, campaign managers, et cetera. Uh, ended up as a chief of staff for the Senate president, Joan Fitzgerald at the time. And um, from there, I went to Walmart and uh, Walmart was growing at the time. I really cut my teeth at their government relations team doing state, local and federal. And uh, from there, I went out on my own for a while and uh, have since come back on uh, and in this internal position um, with ADSO. No, that's great. And I think for, you know, those that are listening, I think it's it's great. But I think a lot of folks don't realize the breadth of knowledge that the ADSO team um, 
and our advocates have. So, I mean, it, we're we're very lucky to have someone with Gray's background and experience uh, leading our government relations activities, which is obviously a core aspect of what we do here at ADSO. You know, one one thing I know that the listeners like to hear about is, you know, how you know how do we go about and how do you specifically approach advocacy? You know, how the sausage is made. You know, how do you process the work in a new state? You know, how does it develop? And does does your approach differ based on the various different states we're working in? So I think broadly speaking, essentially, you know, what how do you approach advocate advocacy issues and how do you kind of get it up and running? Yeah, you know, I I think we could approach that, you know, from a team building perspective, um, and we could talk a lot about our our lobby teams on the ground and and the team that you know Andrew, you and I have built around us um, with Chris Borgardine and Matthew Steele and um, others. Um, but but I but I but I think I think where you'd like to go is more how we kind of approach it from a state by state perspective, and and I think ultimately. You know, there's just a lot of factors that you need to approach, like like all strategic issues. You sort of, you know, hold this this issue up and and look for, you know, look at it perspectively from from all different directions. Um, and, you know, that that becomes ultimately a, a checklist, right? Like who's in power in the Senate, in the House? What's the governor look like? Um, what what's our what's our lobby team? What's our coalition on the ground? Are we able to work with a dental association or society? Um, how does the issue work with the politics that are in that particular state? Um, are there other partners? Can we work with the hygienists? Um, as you uh, you know, as you know, Andrew, we work very closely with the ADA at the national level, and we meet with them you know weekly uh, and partner with them all the all the time. We, we take a look at all these different factors. Then we also take a look at where our business is and what our density is and how important those particular states are. And from there, we, we come up with um, priority states and priority issues where, you know, we've we've got a real possibility of getting something done or, you know, ultimately the art of the possible, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's, really key for folks to understand that, you know, there's not a one size fits all approach. You know, you have to be very strategic, very thoughtful, and there are obviously always speed bumps um, along the way and be able to pivot quickly and, you know, effectively, which obviously you and the team do with, with great, um, with great ease. So, you know, as we look into 2024, what are some of the core issues that you and the team are focused on in conjunction with some of our stakeholder partners and our members. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, from a from a high level, there's two categories really that we're looking at. Um, what the first and the the primary um focal point at this point is licensure mobility. You know, how do we create a regulatory environment so that our members can marshal their resources mo- more 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 easily. Um so that we can move folks around and deal with the access and patient issues more effectively. And so there are two bills in this area that we're looking at. Um, And and I should probably step back for a second and say that, you know, this gets back to the art of the possible, right? When you're looking at a particular state and you're looking at particular solutions, 
the solution needs to be you know connected and feasible to that particular state. So um, for licensure portability, we have two real opportunities. We have dentist and hygienist dental compact. Um, this is legislation that was created by the ADA in concert with the Council of State Governor Governance, um, uh, the hygienists, and other you know key members of organized dentistry, and it basically allows for uh, dentists and dental hygienists to move back and forth between states that have joined the compact. Um, in order for the compact to go live, you have to pass it in seven states. Currently. We have passed it in Washington, Iowa, and in Tennessee. And, and we are currently running it in multiple states, uh, Wisconsin, Colorado, Virginia, New Jersey, Indiana, Kansas, uh, Minnesota, Missouri, um, Nevada, Pennsylvania. And one of our top priorities is to get this passed in an additional four states and get the compact up and running. We are also looking at universal licensure. Um, universal licensure is different than a compact because it's basically a state saying, if you meet these criteria, this professional person can come in and work. Um, but because it is a good fit for um, uh, Republicans that are in charge of the House and Senate, we opted to go for universal licensure instead of the compact. Um, so we're we're focusing on that as well. So again, licensure portability is really kind of our number one focus. But we also do a lot around insurance regulation. Um, and obviously our, our members deal with and rely, with, rely on and partner with um, the payers. Um, so uh, if I had to sort of run through top issues on insurance reform, um, first and foremost, I'd look at medical loss ratio. Uh, this became a very big and important bill uh, when it was, or excuse me, piece of regulation um, when in Massachusetts, they passed a statewide initiative, which was MLR. And it really is, I think, really the best approach to MLR, there, there's different versions, but Massachusetts passed a statewide initiative, which we supported. Uh, we worked very closely with the Massachusetts Dental Association and really led the charge on promulgation, right? How do we make these regs look as good as possible for, for our members? So we've really been focused on that because we think that whatever passes in Massachusetts is gonna give us a template to pass in other states. Um, so MLR is going to be very big. And, you know, there are versions that we are supporting or leading on in Illinois, Virginia, Massachusetts, New York, Florida, Missouri, and Pennsylvania. Um, another big issue is assignment of benefits. This is a uh, this is an old faithful um, assignment of benefits allows patients to have their benefit payments sent directly to their dentist. Um, and these laws require dental plans to pay dentists directly when in, when the uh, enrolled patient instructs their plans to do so. So that's that's an important bill uh, that we're looking on, particularly in uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and Indiana. Um, we are also looking at network leasing bills. These bills protect providers from their networks from being leased out without consent or notification. 
We have network leasing bills running in Washington, Nevada, and Illinois. And then I think last, but perhaps one of the more relevant bills, just given the interest rates uh, currently skyrocketing, is virtual credit cards. The virtual credit card bills prevent, protect our members from being paid solely by virtual credit cards, which can have really high processing fees um, and interest rates for those transactions. So I think that's kind of an overview of the bills that we're proactively trying to pitch. Yeah, no, thank you, Gray. And I think, you know, just for our listeners, don't worry, Gray and our team do get a moment to rest. He, I know he just mentioned <laughs> that, that you, you can tell we have a full, full plate of things we are looking at and are very focused on. Um, so we're, we're obviously very busy into the weeds right now. You know, one of the things we've already had some early successes this year, you know, I know New Jersey just signed and passed um, reform on virtual credit cards. I know there was some activity in um, Wisconsin. Um, as yeah. Well. So in Wisconsin, we've got two bills on the governor's desk. Uh, so it's not official, but um, we have been given every indication that they will be signed. Um, one is assignment of benefits, uh, which we just went over. And then the other is the, um, the dental interstate compact. Um, so we're, we feel like we're already up to four. Um, so, uh, you know, three more to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's great that we have these early successes building on from last year and feel very confident of, you know, where we're, we're moving uh, downstream on, on these things. You know, when you've, you've mentioned a lot of important issues from medical loss ratio on the insurance side, assignment of benefits and on insurance, virtual credit cards on insurance, mobility. Why don't you walk the listeners through, you know, obviously we know why these are important. You outlined a little of why it's important to our members, but what are legislators, governors, regulators, you know, what, why, why would they be interested in this? And, 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 and how do you approach that, you know, talking about why these issues are important to the constituents, not just those business folks that are in there supporting dentistry, but also the patients, which obviously they, they care about. So could you walk us through a little about how you and the team, um, you know, why why would the legislators want to talk to us and you know kind of how do you frame those conversations so they they understand the importance yeah i i think the easy one the easy case to make is with the licensure mobility because ultimately we're looking at access right we use access and ultimately, you know, affordability, which is something else our members tend to offer as a way to say, listen, you know, you've got a real problem here. Um, you've got areas where people have little or no access to dental care. And it's just not about dentistry, right? There's a whole mouth and body connection, which I'm sure all our listeners are, are very, very well aware of. But you know, when I'm sitting down talking to an elected official, I'm like, okay, well, so let's say this person in, we'll say, <laughs> a state of your of your choice, um, who has had no dental care, who who loses their teeth, right? Who's only eating highly processed foods, who becomes, you know, potentially obese. Next, thing you know, they've got a diabetics problem. That's a problem that that elected official has to solve, right? That's that's a real problem that they have to solve and it's all intertwined. And so talking them through that and being a part of a solution, right? Is it becomes a very, a very powerful message. hundred percent. I think Gray touched on one piece, the 
we at ADSO have spent a lot of time working on data collection of essentially, you know, what the state of dentistry is like today. When it comes to insurance, particularly on medical loss ratio and assignment of benefits, can you talk through a little about why legislators are interested in reforming these issues, particularly, you know, around patients and the better ability for them to utilize benefits and, you know, more transparency. Can you walk a little through about why they're interested in in working with with groups like ADSO and ADA on these issues? Yeah, I mean, I think that going up against the insurance companies tends to be a much easier process, um, at least in terms of the arguments that you have. There's lots to talk about from um, that perspective. And, and to go in as an advocate for our patients and our dentists and point out some of these, these issues, which are really um, pretty egregious when you start to take a look at them, it becomes a much easier argument, I think, and particularly in a lot easier to sort of find folks that want to be, again, advocates for, for the patient and for the hygienist um, and the dentist. And so that part is easy. Um, you know, like for example, assignment of benefits, why is this even an issue? You're basically saying the patient is allowed to check a box and the payment then goes to the dentist. Why in the world would any dentist or why in the world would any insurance company fight that? It, it, it really is just rights for the patient. Um, you know, why would we be forced when I say we, why would our dentists be forced to make payments with a virtual credit card um, when they have multiple other different ways to potentially make a payment that are extreme, you know, much less expensive? I mean, these are these are really basic issues, and um, we've had pretty good success, honestly, because of that. Because of that issue, right? We find elected officials that want to be advocates like us for our patients and for our for our staff. And uh, we move the ball forward uh, accordingly. No, that's great. And I think, you know, you hit a couple of things on the head there. You know, obviously, you know, there's a symbiotic relationship between the insurers and the providers ultimately to provide great care to to patients. And, you know, I think at, at the end of the day, specifically from our point of view, and, and I should say, you know, as Gray mentioned, we work very closely with state dental associations and ADA on insurance related issues that there needs to be a little bit um, a better playing field, leveling of the field and, and a fairness issue. I think, you know, on the virtual credit card thing and, and Grace, stop me if I'm wrong here, but at the end of the day, you know, we're getting payment for services rendered, but then there is a fee attached by using that type of payment. If it's a virtual credit card that essentially goes back to the insurer. So it's a kind of another way for them to say, Hey, like collecting a fee on top of a service that they already should be paying. And so I think that's important of a level of fairness and also the ability to, to provide services. Um, is, is really, really key. And, and, and on MLR, you know, when I've talked to our members, Gray, and you know this, it's, it's a lot about, you know, dental insurers are only really paying about 60% of the premiums that they collect from patients on care. And so, you know, with MLR, one of the core goals, and I know in Massachusetts, we'll be talking about this continually is how do we get them to pay more for benefit coverage and to increase utilization of the patient and also obviously uh, allow the patient to receive the necessary dental work uh, that they deserve uh, and require. So I think it's you know pretty exciting on, on all the things you're working on. You know, one, one topic, as I always say, everyone is obviously both politically very focused on the state of Florida and presidential elections, 
no surprise, Florida is a very fast growing state, uh, huge numbers of uh, new people moving into Florida always. We've seen that for decades. And as a result, you mentioned it, there's an access to care issue, that there are so many people coming in that there aren't enough dentists to, to meet that demand. And dentistry is more and more in demand than ever before. So, I mean, obviously, Florida is in the legislative process right now. Lots of our members are there. There are tons of patients, tons of opportunities. Walk me through a little about, you know, kind of how Florida is, for lack of a better term, you know, ground zero when it comes to kind of licensure portability right now and, um, you know, kind of very broad strokes of how you guys are looking at at Florida right now, this legislative session. Yeah, sure. And, you know, I was kind of running through a punch list earlier about, you know, our, our approach in, in particular states and, and Florida just just hits all the right boxes. Right. I mean, it's growing. Um, our, our members are there. Um, and, and so this is a real opportunity where if we could pass a universal licensure bill, that's a real bottom line issue for our members, right? Um, and, and that's that's something that's very important. That's that's a that's a tangible, specific impact that we can make. And as you know, Andrew, being you know coming from the the, the same field that I'm in, that that's not always easy. It's, it's sometimes a little more difficult to articulate some sort of you know, policy or bureaucratic, you know, tax issue and, and how that might affect as opposed to this. And so it, it, it rose to the top pretty quickly. Um, we, we knew it was always going to be difficult, though, at the same time. Um, at that point, we started to take a look at like, OK, so what type what, what's what's the fix that is going to work in Florida most effectively. And universal licensure is right there, you know, with them. We also, you know, we 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 had good, strong partners. Um, we had a strong lobby team, which we, we had good communication into the governor and uh, leadership in both houses. So we opted to go with universal licensure and, and we got it most of the way through. And uh, as expected, it, it died at the 11th hour. Um, this year, uh, we're part of a just a really large um, healthcare omnibus bill that's really just focused on access and and I think you know leadership in the Florida House particularly, um, but the Senate too sees this as an opportunity to really address those access issues, and we feel a lot better about our opportunities. The key thing here is goes back to that first question of this is a robust coalition, not just focused on dentistry, but kind of all healthcare and greater access. And within dentistry, um, you know, obviously the, the hygienists are very supportive of it. Uh, you know, the national ADA is supportive of it. So I think, you know, like any other legislation that gets through, it's about having a coalition to talk about common sense solutions to a problem such as access in healthcare generally. And obviously dentistry is that. So, you know, I know Gray touched on like, you know, what we've been doing, but we're part, we're not going at this alone, right? We're not the tip of the spear. This is a, a broad-based effort to provide at the end of the day, greater access to care. And so I'm, I'm glad to see that that coalition and, and mutual interest is, is working and that receptive to the elected officials in, in Florida. Um, pivoting a, a little, uh, Talk to me a little about how there are still, you know, some barriers within dentistry to fully operate at full capacity that impact any type of model which a dentist participates in. So, like, for example, the, the 
Can you talk a little about the 20% rule in Kansas and how that impacts not just dental support organizations, but all different types of dentistry um, and, and, you know, why it's important we're working to, to fix that? Sure, absolutely. You know, uh, the 20% rule in Kansas is is really kind of a, a vestige of a bygone era. It's kind of a one of those sort of turn of the century populist um, type type uh, bills that were were passed, um, you know, in the twenties, I think nineteen twenties. And so, really, what it does is it the twenty percent rule says that a dentist, an individual dentist, must spend at least twenty percent of his time at his off at, at all his offices, which of course would limit him to five offices. And um, that's that's having a you know a real detrimental impact on any of our our business owners, or excuse me, our, our DSOs that want to do business there. Um, and so that is something that we're we're absolutely working on. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll get something done this session. Yeah, and I think what's also important to note is that you know it's it really limits innovation and growth and entrepreneurship. This isn't just this isn't just relating to DSO supported dentists who own their practice, but it's also related to any other type of, you know, entrepreneur uh, who's a, a dentist um, and doing it on their own. And, and I, you know, applaud the team and, and members for engaging to make sure that there aren't these limitations because it is unique to just dentistry. Um, and, you know, it is a more one-off Issue. So obviously we'll be very, very focused on that. You know, one of the final questions I have and, and the thing I, that you and the team do so well is engaging the ADSO membership. We've got a lot of different members, different sizes, scope of the practice, you know, regionally based or national members or folks who are listening right now that are within dentistry that want to get involved, you know, what would you suggest to members and those that are also have shared priorities with us? How, how should they get involved with some of our advocacy efforts? Well, I think there's a lot of, I, I think there's a lot of different ways to do that. And, and I, I would also add that, you know, we're, we're not just is just a selfish plug for my team. And I, we're not just passing, you know, legislation, you know, we also are helping, you know, specific members with very specific regulatory issues in states. Um, and so we are here and, you know, when, when folks come to us, you know, we, if, if we have a team in that state, um, we, we can jump, jump in and, and help. Maybe it's a Medicaid credentialing issue, right? Maybe it's something similar that, that really is just, you know, you've got a bureaucratic holdup. We're able to get in there and make changes really effectively, I think. So it's not just passing bills. It really is whatever we can do um, on the legislative or regulatory front to help our members. Um, in terms of, you know, how to interact with us, I mean, other than, you know, obviously shooting us an email or picking up the phone, um, we have a government affairs committee that meets once a week. And it is made up of a nice sort of cross cut of our members. So we have folks that are representing, you know, Heartland and uh, Pacific Dental. And um, we also have really smaller groups too. Um, and, and that really, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. It, it's a, it's a real collection of folks with a lot of different um, experiences and background, but, 
but all with a, a pretty strong understanding of, you know, regulatory and legislative strategy. Um, it allows us to guide where our priorities are, um, but it also allows us to integrate our members into the process. I mean, Andrew and I, again, we, we, we worked in the same world. And, and I will tell you that elected officials really don't like to hear from a lobbyist, right? They, they, they hear from them all the time. What they want to do is talk to business owners, you know, dentists, hygienists, that's who they want to talk to. They feel like they're getting real substance there and it's less, less colored, I think. And so when we have opportunities to integrate our, our members into the process and, 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 you know, introduce them and insert them into this, this sort of legislative regulatory process, I think it's really beneficial. It's hugely beneficial selfishly for me and for my team for the reasons that I just mentioned, but it also allows our members to meet the governor and network and maybe build out their resume with the dental association or the dental board, right? And so those are all, I think, valuable issues for our, for our DSO members. No, I thank thank you, um, Gray, and I think for those you know that are that are listening, that are you know members, you obviously have Gray's contact information. But if you're a stakeholder or are interested in that, you know, please um, feel free to reach out to to me uh, or to Gray. Appreciate um, Gray, you taking the time. I know you're really really busy based on this conversation, so thanks for carving out some time. Uh, for us. And I want to thank our listeners. Uh, this has been a great way to kick off 2024. You can see all the great work we have underway and what we have accomplished. And I'm looking forward to giving a mid-year update uh, and hopefully have all of these uh, wins under under our belt. So, Gray, thank you for uh, for joining us. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for uh, having me, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Thank You for Flossing. I'm Andrew Smith. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss our next episode. And to learn more about how dental support organizations are driving the future of oral health, visit www.theadso.org. That's www.theadso.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time.